I was the dude because I finally figured out what I was trying to do. I've eat and slept and spent 17 years of my life planning and prepping for this exact position, for this exact job, getting paid poverty level wages, literally. Now, I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me. I'm just giving you the truth of the matter. Poverty level wages. And I did it with a smile on my face. I put every single ounce of my effort and energy and deliberate action on everything I did. The most important work I've ever done was for Fraud Radio, Talk Radio 102.3. Starting from 1998, 1999 to 2016, three weeks ago, I had a vision and a, and a purpose in what I was trying to do. I wasn't trying to work in radio anymore. I understood what was going on here. I understood that this was not going to be a sustainable kind of uh, uh, job that I could leave my day job and just spend my life being on the radio. I understood that. I was okay with that, literally being pay, paid poverty-level wages. Not one time ever getting a raise at this company. From 2002 to 2016, not one single time did I get a raise. And I still came to work every day determined and ready to go because that was my passion. There you go. That's it. Upon further review and actually seeking legal counsel, which I did, I sat down more than once. From the Title 50 Employer and Employee Online Privacy Act of 2014, effective January 1st, 2015. Now, there's a lot of jargon here, and this thing goes on and on and on. And the, and the, and the deck is stacked against anybody who's going after being wrongful termination. Which goes back to the self-regulatory organization of the Securities Exchange of 19... Congratulations, guys. Congratulations. You win. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Very hard to say my name correctly. Like Brian. Yeah, Brian. What's your deal, man? Your midweek download destination. I like his style. It's a sort of casual elegance. I'm slaying lame and I'm exposing frauds. This is pathetic. This is embarrassing. Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. And note to self, don't get fired. Uh, and also, don't die. And also, yeah, they didn't win. They lost. More on that as the Stone on Air podcast continues. Just getting started on the final show of June of 2019. Officially dropping, as they say, June 27th, the Weekly Dose. Sometimes Weekly Dose. Not so Weekly Dose. It's coming up right now. And a little kind of half-rigged-up segment here, uh, setup I have here. One of my computers kind of failed on me, so I'm having to use my phone as my other audio source. So if it's a little clunky, uh, that is partially why. Welcome in, everybody. Thank you so much for finding the most listened-to podcast in the city of Chattanooga, at least a, a show that originates here, that's for here, that's designed for this area, nobody gets a, a higher listenership than this show. Now, do people produce podcasts in this city that might get more listeners from a broader angle, from a broader audience, a broader region? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I haven't done that math. But as far as one that originates in Chattanooga, 
specifically for Chattanooga, even though I'd love it to be, uh, you know, to be wider range than that. But that is basically what this is designed for. It is uh, uh, the, the listenership gets better and better as the years have gone on. And I really, really do appreciate that. If you rate and review through iTunes or any of those kinds of things, I uh, ask you to uh, do that. That would be very nice. If you ask me to rate and review your podcast, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> There's no chance I would do it, as a matter of fact. So if you don't want to, I completely understand. So, this show is going to be, um, it's going to annoy some people, it'll intrigue others, and it might bring in a handful of new listeners, and it'll be a little repetitive to anybody who has been here from the very beginning, which if that's you, God bless you, that's three years now that this has been a standalone podcast. It'll actually be July, will be the anniversary of this being a standalone podcast, meaning outside of when I would turn my radio shows into podcasts. But so, yeah, so if you've been here or know me well, then this is not really going to be any information that you don't already know. Now, it is very, um, actually quite remarkable to me over the last few years, and more specifically, you know, maybe the last year, I'll run into some uh, people and talk, you know, talk shop or whatever, and they don't know how I was fired from my, uh, my the only radio station I ever wanted to work for, Talk Radio 102.3. And um, sometimes it's just, it's one of those, you never asked or you forgot, or maybe you heard, you know, years have gone by, who spends that much time caring about other people's employment, that kind of thing. So there are a lot of people out there that don't know what happened at the uh, the old talk monster, WGOW and Cumulus Radio here in the city of Chattanooga. When it went down, it went, uh, I'm not going to call it viral, but I was, uh, I was very, very, um, very pleased, very humbled, very um, whatever the right words are to say, um, it, amazed to see how many people cared, how many shares it got, how many comments it got, how many people came and said, you know, anything from, you know, hold your head up to uh, whatever the case might be. Um, because when I was fired three years ago, June 24th, so this is the 27th when this show drops. So just over three years ago was when I was fired uh, out of nowhere. And I'll get to all that and, and how it happened and why it happened here shortly. Um, it was a devastating situation for me. Devastating situation for me. I was absolutely heartbroken. I cried and cried and cried. I stayed up all night long on that Friday night. I went down to nightfall for like two minutes and was just so so sick to my stomach uh, about how things went. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't stay for any length of time. And then I went and sat in front of my computer all night long chit-chatting with people and drinking until the sun came up and just bawling my eyes out. Uh, hours before that, when I was at my day job, I'd go to the ba- I, c- I couldn't hold it together. I'd go to the bathroom and just bawl like a little baby. It was, uh, it was a big deal to me. It was, it was, uh, it was awful. And so uh, it went on and on, and I went through the all the roller coasters of emotions, and it, you know, then it went into just pure anger, and so I just started firing back at him and just being, you know, just a super asshole, and and then I get sad again, and then I get mad again, and you know, you know, it was just one of those kinds of things. It's like a breakup of any kind. I had years and years invested in this radio station. When I say seventeen years, that means back in um, I do a whole podcast back on this three years ago or two and a half years ago. Um, or whenever the hell it was, I met Jeff Styles for the first time in 1999. I'm pretty sure it was the 1AA National Championship game, Chili Cook-Off, uh, that I met him, and he had his little sign that said, Jeff Styles Talk Radio, and I had just started thinking about going to Chattanooga State for the wall, and I was just blown away by his presence and his and just being able to talk to him for a few minutes. And, um, and I just thought, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. 
This is me. I figured it out. I'm 19 years old and I finally have purpose. I finally know what I want to do. And within two and a half years, I was hired by Cumulus. I went to Chattanooga State. I hung out at the wall, 91.5, WAWL, Don Hickson, and uh, Dave, and, uh, and, and now, why is it escaping me? Oh, Jesus, don't. Uh, Chris, Chris Willis, all those guys. Will McDonald at one point. Efren Graham, all those guys. I mean, it was, I, was, I was in love. I was in love, and I knew that I could do that. I knew I could talk on the radio. I knew I could produce this, and I did. And by 2005, I was working part-time with GOW. 2002 is when I first got hired, but by 2005 is when I first started getting real some kind of work. And then by 2006, I was filling in for Jeff and 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 and 12. Now I'm filling in on every single show, and I'm involved with every single thing going on, and I'm next in line. I'm next in line. I'm the next one to get that gets the big bump once somebody pulls out a hacksaw and chops up somebody or gets shot or somebody gets a divorce and goes crazy and loses their shit or somebody dies or whatever i was next and then i was fired i'll get to more of that here in a minute coming up on the show today this is going to be a split up show i'm gonna do the first segment here however long it takes i'm gonna play some segments from the first podcast i ever did outlining this entire situation probably uh two clips total of about seven minutes combined the middle segment, I'm going to step away from this and talk about why I am happy about the Trump administration, however long that takes. And then in the final segment of the show, in the last several hours, the last couple of days of almost you know going to press time, as they say, deadline time, I got a hold of Robert T. Nash, and he is going to be my guest in the final segment of the show. We have no script. We have no prearranged conversation other than a text message. I'm just going to call him. And we're going to talk, and I'm going to record it. We'll see what happens. It might be riveting podcast, listening, spoken word. It might bore the hell out of you. I can't promise you anything. But that will be the final segment of the show. And he could not do this phone interview until Wednesday night. So that's why I had to delay the posting of this for one day. I thought it was well worth the wait to listen to the great Robert T. Nash. So let's go ahead and get into the first segment of the show then. And um, here's what happened. So I uh, I have I don't do a lot of instant messaging like through Messenger, uh, Facebook Messenger, Yahoo I am back in the day, or any of these other IMs. I just really don't. I don't even do a lot of email. Really, email is strictly business. Very little actual communication. I've been text messaging since before most people knew how the hell to do it. And um, so that's been my main form of communication has been text message. But for some reason, there's a couple of people, and Robert T. Nash is one of them, who, uh, who communicates through Facebook Messenger a lot. Why? Doesn't matter. It's not good. It's not bad. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just he does that a lot. And we often would just have chit-chat, just like we would if we were sitting at a coffee shop or sitting at a bar or hanging out at nightfall, all of which I've done with him before. It just so happens that this was through Facebook Messenger. Now, how uh, how many people actually log out of their Facebook on their phones? Nobody. How many people forget to log themselves out of their Facebook on their computer? Many people. Obviously, leaving a Facebook open with that's got sensitive potential, you know, personal information in it is foolish, and I'm dumb. I get it. All right, I understand. Hands in the air. I, you know, guilty. Take me away. I, I guilty as charged. Right. Well, that's what happened. Now, my computer at my day job is logged into my Twitter, my Facebook, my email. Every single day. My, my, my employers could go sit down and look at it right now. Of course, they could look at it remotely if they wanted to. 
So, I mean, I basically, I, I'm not really ever walking around with anything to hide. I mean, I'm, just, I'm very transparent. And if I have anything sensitive, I generally try to get, get rid of it. So, me and, um, and Robert T. were communicating over the, over the years, 14, 2014, 15, 16, just here and there, just chit-chatting, talking shop, talking radio, talking industry, talking pretty girls, talking beer, talking whatever. And somehow, some way, somebody got a hold of this entire conversation and printed it out and gave it to that asshole, Scott Chase, who I never liked, I've never liked, disliked him virtually from the time that I ever got to know him. He's a snake in the grass. He'll cut, he'll cut your throat to save his anytime. He is, uh, he's vindictive, and he's, uh, he's, he's a gutless coward. And I've always pretty much known that. And if anything came out of this, I got the, uh, I got the pleasure now of being able to say that out loud. If nothing else came out of that whole situation, I'm able to at least say that out loud now because I have reason. Before I didn't have enough reason, I was just being a jerk if I did that. Now he is the gutless coward that everybody knows and has been exposed for years how big of a bleep he is. So he gets a hold of it. guy named John Lewis gets a hold of it. And I don't know how long they have it. I don't know who initiated it. I don't know why it was ever uh, something that somebody went after. I can make guesses. I can sit here and conspiracy theory about it all day. I think Jerry Harvey might have had something to do with it. If you remember that numbskull, that absolute imbecile bleep for brains, Jerry, Bre- Jerry Harvey, who uh, was on the radio for a little bit. I have a feeling it might have been him because sometimes he has access to the computer that I was on. Scott Chase isn't even smart enough to to go into somebody's Facebook and look through their Facebook Messenger. Let's not give the guy much credit for any kind of investigative work. Um, I think it was Jerry who didn't like me and saw a way to uh, get somebody fired so he can get a good snicker out of it. That's what I think happened, but I don't know for sure. Anyway, the conversation between me and Robert T. Nash is actually documented. I read virtually the whole thing on a podcast from about two two years, two years and eight months ago, something like that. So if you want to hear, hear that interaction you just have to go back in the archives and you can listen to it so and and, i mean i I read it almost completely verbatim only left out the parts that didn't mean anything so anyway that's the quick story on that i'm gonna go back to the very first podcast i ever did back in july of 16 standalone podcast i ever did where i explained virtually in a full hour-long detail of uh, how all this went down with less knowledge then than i have now but rather than just regurgitate that i'm gonna play five minutes of the interaction I had between John Lewis, somebody you've never heard of and you never have, never will, Scott Chase and Bill Lockhart on Friday, June 24th, 15 minutes before I was done with my Let's Talk Money show, the production that I did where I was also not a co-host but a show contributor, having a conversation about Brexit that I was involved in. They pulled me out of that show with about 15 minutes to go. And this says why I was fired. It's, it's more how, how I was fired and how that went down. June 24th, 2016. What happened? Why I was fired? Uh, on June 24th, it was about 12.45 in the afternoon on a Friday. So, of course, you wait until the dude's show or dude's shift or whatever is almost over. And you wait till a Friday, and then you fire them right before they leave. And I was called in upstairs to the, uh, to the conference room, and I was asked to leave the Let's Talk Money booth 
right in the middle of what I was involved in the conversation, we were talking Brexit. It was a day that uh, the UK was talking about uh, voting or voted to pull out of the European Union. And of course, everybody acted like they knew everything about foreign affairs. And I got all smart and everything on social media when you clearly don't hardly know what you're talking about when certainly when it comes to those kinds of things. But whatever, I digress. And so I was like, oh, okay, something's (laughs) – this is not good. Uh, Now, I didn't walk upstairs thinking, okay, I'm about to get fired in the next four and a half minutes. But I did realize that this is not normal. Uh, So I sit down at the conference table. It's with uh, Scott Chase, operations manager, a guy named John Lewis. Now, a guy named John Lewis, uh, if he walked in the door right now and said, hey, my name is John Lewis, and I drive a – over a hundred thousand uh, dollar BMW. I preach hip- very hypocritically uh, about uh, morals and ethics. Even though I'm about to be morally and ethically bankrupt while I fire you, my name is John Lewis. Hello, you would say. Wait, who are you again? What? What is your name? What? Why do you matter? So that guy, and then um, Bill Lockhart. Now, Bill Lockhart was a formality. He was my immediate boss. And um, I sit down and I'm like, okay, what's up? They hand me eight and a half by 11s, like in my hand right here, about 12 to 15 pages of a conversation that I had with somebody on Facebook. Now, they said, this is your, and they slid it across the table, all real, you know, movie-like or whatever. And this is your social media interaction with uh, this person. And... I uh, I said, I don't have social media interaction with this person. What exactly is it that you have here? And I take a look at it, and I see the top page says May 2015. And I immediately say, well, hell, I don't remember a year ago. Lord, what do you got here? So I start turning the pages. And it doesn't take long at all for me to realize that this is Facebook Messenger, private conversations between me and a, another person. Who that person is for this podcast and this conversation isn't important. And uh, I immediately – I didn't throw it at them. I just took the pages and I tossed it across the table and I said, where did you get that? Backpedal, coach speech. Well, uh, here on company computers at Chima- – no, 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 Stop, 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 stop. Where did you get that? Why do you have that? Well, it just seems to me that you don't have uh, – you're not on the same page here as us as a team. Hey, now, stop. We're talking about two different things. Where did you get this? And then more coach speak and more, hey, we're just – we're trying to create a, a positive environment. Last, last time, guys. Enough. Where we got this isn't important. No, no, no. It's the only thing that's important right now. Where'd you get this? Enough. Cut the spit. Cut the spit. Right now. Am I fired? To my left, Scott Chase looks at me and says, I think you fired yourself. I looked at him and I said, I'm not talking to you. And I looked at the dude, John Lewis, who you've never heard of and you never will. Just some dude in a suit that's worth more than your life in a car that's worth more than your family estate and who pays, works for a company that pays his employees um, poverty wages. I looked at him and said, answer the question, am I fired? And he said, yes. And I said, then there is nothing left to talk about. And I got up and I started to walk off. And one of them said, 
well, we need to get you an escort out the building. Guys, I'm a blankety-blank professional. An escort? Excuse me? And I guess that's protocol. Hell, I don't know. And I said, well, you know what? It better be Bill, meaning Bill Lockhart, because I adore Bill Lockhart to this day. Not exactly interested in having any conversations with him right now for a lot of different reasons, but I adore Bill Lockhart. And I said, it better be Bill. There will be problems if it's either one of you two, meaning Scott Chase and that dude John Lewis who means nothing who you've never even heard of. But he drives a six-figure car, has a suit more expensive than your life, and oversees an operation that pays some of his hardest-working employees poverty-level wages. That was three. Oops. That's it. Sorry. Jumped in there a little too early. That was three years ago three days ago and that is uh, and that was pretty fresh in my mind and that was just about three weeks after the fact I you know I might have over dramatized it a touch but not really that's pretty much how it went it didn't last long I didn't give anybody an opportunity to even get a sentence finished I was I immediately felt as betrayed as you could be and I I was defensive and I mean if you I was getting fired one way or another I wasn't going to sit there and, and pout and be like oh I'm so sorry it was a complete invasion of privacy and um and just as um uh as betrayed as I mentioned as betrayed as I've I've ever felt in my life after that I walked out to my car which I parked in the same spot over in the corner uh facing outward so I could just run to my car cuz I worked every day from 9 a.m. till 1 p.m. got in my car and drove 100 miles an hour to get to the other side of the river to go to my day job until 8 p.m. that night. Get to the get to the radio station at 9 o'clock in the morning and get off from the day job as they cram together without even a lunch break in between, usually carrying my lunch with me until 8 o'clock or sometimes 9 o'clock that night. Did that every single day for years. All right, I'm not, I don't need a pat on the back. I don't need a round of applause. But anyway, so I had my car sitting right there where it normally is, and so I went over there and I just said, I'm not leaving. I just sat there and got my phone out, started Snapchatting, started taking pictures, started uh, doing a little, I don't know if Facebook Live was a thing yet or not, but maybe some Periscope, just shooting out a Twitter thing. Just, I don't know, just trying to be a nuisance. I mean, I, I, my, my head was spinning around. I, I, I can't remember what was in my head. and um, But I do remember this, and I love it. I love it. Um, so eventually, I see everybody hovering around the glass. They're all looking out. It's like there's like 15 people in the windows looking at me. And eventually, here comes Scott and Bill walking towards me to my car. And so I got in my car, in my car, and I shut the door right as they were about, you know, 15 feet away, just to where they couldn't quite say anything yet. And I closed the door, and I started the car, and then they got within a few feet of the car. And I looked up, and I said, Bill, I love you to death, which I do. And Scott, fuck you. And I pulled off. And so if nothing else comes out of this uh, experience and situation other than being able to say that to that asshat, absolute, selfish, cowardly asshole, Scott Chase, um, that's, uh, you know, that's something good to, to come out of it anyway. So, all right. So that's that. I'm going to put the wraps on this here in just a minute. Uh, but after I play a, uh, another clip from the show uh, three years ago that I, what I thought was so just so great about the situation at the time was, as I mentioned early on, is how much response it got. It made me feel so good. Now, people forget about it in about three days. You know, it only lasts for like a week. 
at the most. A week or two later, nobody cares anymore. It's just true with anything. Oh, my God, you, can you believe this? Anyway, hey, there's a little shiny thing. Go chase it, you know? So the, the outpouring of support dried up pretty quickly. But initially, I had a lot of a really, 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 really great messages, lots of encouragement, lots of screw scumulous, I mean, cumulus broadcasting, a lot of F fraud rate, I mean, talk radio, just, I mean, everybody on my side. It was great. I loved it. Thank you so much. I love you to death if you were one of those. Well, one of the responses I got on my uh, on that thread was from Craig Joel, who I think recently just retired. There was something going on that got him in a little bit of trouble or something. Um, I don't know or care what it is. I've known him off and on since about 2006. We've been on the air arguing. We've been online arguing. We have really, most of our relationship has revolved around us talking smack to each other, kind of a kidding, not kidding kind of thing. But he's such a smart guy, and he uh, rolls with the punches, and he's fun to interact with. And he left this uh, on my Facebook thread, and I read it on the show three years ago. I'm going to play that back for you right now. Observations from an aging Gen Xer. I don't think anyone doubts that they can do what they did. That there is no expectation of privacy at a workplace. And if you leave yourself logged in on a computer there, well, then that's your you-know-what. It's not really the point. It's just a technicality. I think the point here is that this is, the kind of, this is the kind of environment they chose to promote. This is the employment equivalent of dating a girl or a guy who goes through your text messages when you're asleep and then questions you about everyone of the opposite sex and who you speak with at work or on your way back from the bathroom at the restaurant. Oh, you can stay in such an unhealthy relationship, but the question is, why would you? There was a time radio was a medium that existed to showcase the works of artists. And at one time, they allowed a different type of artist to present these works and even spice up the quiet points between songs. Well, that time is long since gone. Now, art, creativity, a sense of individuality that created a social atmosphere you felt that you could be a part of and, God forbid, you even enjoyed. This is radio now with only a few exceptions automated stations global ipods on an external shuffle owned by faceless suits comforted by its predictability and run by people that wish they could be them radio is now by and large managed by the guys who have the ability to date a hooters waitress but without any confidence to resist spending hours a day at the restaurant making sure no one looks at her and and creativity is now seen as a threat rather than an asset Yeah, you could stay in a relationship with that kind of guy or girl, but why would you want to? One of you is going to end up with a black eye, and the other is going to wind up very much alone and reviled. And the only true winners here are the lawyers making bank off of both, because those are the types running the show down there now. One more paragraph, and then we'll put the wraps on the Stone on Air podcast from Monday, July 18th. My name is Brian Stone. Thank you, corporate America. Whatever Brian said, privately... Enjoy this wonderful moment alone in your cheaply appointed office where you can rub your palms together in some fleeting sense of victory. It will distract you for a while before that sense inevitably fades and you once again realize you have finally and willfully become the corporate shill you once made fun of when you still had creative spark of your own that you traded for whatever it is you think you've become that values vindicated paranoia over 13 years of loyalty. Enjoy making par, my corporate friends. Couldn't have said it much better myself. Good job. Good job, guys. Spent 17 years not ruffling feathers, getting along with everybody, even if I hated your gut.
nuts. I acted like I didn't. I wasn't a malcontent. There was no reason for this. So there you go. There's why I was fired. There's where I was. That's where I am. And where I'm going is still a big old fat question mark. And the good news is, is that question mark really isn't there all that much anymore. And I'd like to correct what I said that day. I couldn't say it much better myself. I couldn't say it even a, a tiny percentage as good as uh, the way uh, Craig Joel writes and, uh, and and communicates. Thank you again, Craig, if you're listening. I love you. That was such a great uh, post, just like all the old message board posts are and all the Facebook posts. And he's kind of gone dark and quiet these days. I don't know if he listens, but if you are listening, Craig, you know I love you. So that's, uh, that's pretty much that. Uh, that's kind of the recap. Here's the beautiful part about this, and and life is it is so frustrating and so disappointing at times, but there are, still are so many wonderful, incredible portions and 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 segments of it that I don't take for granted. And I I I get you know hammered on for being the negative guy, and I'm you know I'm never positive. I'm, oh, I hate everything. I hate everything. No, I love so many things. And I love life. And I love when life goes well. And I love, you know, living well is the best revenge. Living well is the best revenge. And um that's where I'm at right now. I work for a great company for a radio station that I like. You know, it's it's pretty cool. It's it's fun, you know. It ain't setting the damn world on fire, but it's putting money in the bank and it's giving me an opportunity to have complete one hundred percent creative freedom. I don't have to run anything by anybody. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, at any point. I it's serious, serious talk. Now I understand how to how to use that privilege. I understand how to not abuse that privilege. That's why I have it. That was the same thing I had over at Cumulus until a couple scumbags turned into uh, you know assholes. Um, or they were always were assholes, but they just got completely exposed for it. And so I have create complete creative freedom with that other with the radio gig, Alt 987. I have complete freedom with this gig because clearly it's mine and I'll do whatever I want. Haven't monetized it yet, but someday I think that I will. And I can't remember if it was Bill Lockhart or not, but I got it a couple of times. And this this really is, you know, this this can go either way. It's the old, this might just end up being the best thing that ever happened to you. You know what, Brian? This just might be the best thing that ever happened to you. You know, Brian, you might look back on this and it'd be the best thing that ever happened to you. And you know what you don't want to hear after you get fired or after you get broken up with or after you lose something that you coveted your whole life or a passion of yours just up and disappears? You know what you don't want to hear? The last thing you ever want to hear is this might be the best thing that ever happened to you. But you know what? People say that for a reason. Because a lot of times, maybe even many of the times, it's true. Getting fired from Talk Radio 102.3, WGOW, was probably the best thing that's ever happened to me. Now, maybe that's a little over the top. We'll say the best thing that's happened to me this decade, from a professional standpoint, it is the best thing that could have happened to me. I am getting more recognition for the work that I do now than I ever have. I'm getting more recognition out in the market when I'm out and about at local events, at wherever, from the radio work and the podcast. I got some recognition because of the talk radio stuff for a while, too. They're dying. It's just, it's a thousand paper cuts death. Jeff is gone. Rest in peace, my beloved 
uh, Dr. Basketball, Gary Haskew, you know, he passed away three years ago, I guess. It was the 4th of July, I think. That happened shortly after. I've just now remembered that. Um, They have just a skeleton of a staff. People are making less and less money every single day. They have awful, disgustingly stupid programming. Love Jim and Jamie. Love Jim and Jamie. Let's Talk Money is by far the best thing they have going there. Love you, Jim. Love you, Jamie. Kisses. You're one of my favorites ever. Um, Outside of that, you know, and Joe and Scott in the afternoon are still friends of mine, but that show's not doing what it used to do. It's just the the station is just slowly, you know, swirling the, the bowl and I don't wish any harm on the people I love over there, like Bill, like Kelly McCoy. I love Kelly. She was she hired me originally. She's a she's an absolute sweetheart. Um, let's see who else. Uh, I'm gonna have trouble finding many more. Jim Reynolds, family friend. I don't like where he comes from on a lot of things on his uh, the way he presents himself on the air, but that's fine. Love Jim Reynolds. Uh, Jim Franklin, the uh, the the uh, office manager. Uh, Renee, uh, uh, I guess she's Renee Price now. Renee, I effing love Renee. There's so many over there that I just love to death. And there's like five. Kevin West is, you know, he's a quality human being. Five people, three, four, however many, can then just go straight to hell. And um, the joke's on y'all. The joke's on you. Your radio station sucks. And everybody knows it. All right, that's it. I'm going to talk a, a couple of minutes about Trump, maybe, I think, depending on how long my conversation is with Robert T. Nash. Might just skip that middle segment. We'll find out. But before this show is over, I promise you, XXX, OOO, 666, 365, please advise Robert T. Nash coming up here shortly. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com. Call me crazy. You know, you'll be in good company. I believe the chief role of the President of the United States is a leadership role. You articulate the zeitgeist, the will of the people. If you're like me and old enough to remember the Nixon presidency, particularly his second term, man, this country was in the toilet. Conflict in Vietnam, crappy economy, a counterculture that was once, you know, bright-eyed and ideological and clambering to make things better, let people participate on every level. Next thing you know, you got heads being busted at the 68 Democratic National Convention, you know, the politics of daily. I think the appeal as a prospective candidate that Donald Trump is enjoying, to me, looks to be cribbing straight from the Nixon playbook. Just appeal to the people who are just burnt out, fed up, ready to rant and rave and do whatever it takes. To make anything different than what the current status quo is. I realize I'm grossly oversimplifying this. You know, I do believe there are variables. I do believe that luck can play into these matters. It's astonishing. But I also know that something that can play into it, that can have one of the biggest effects, which I perceive to be negative, is, is, is apathy. Voter apathy. People talk about uninformed voters. I hate to admit it. I'd rather have a dumbass go to the polls than sit home. Well, the best-made plans are often changed as we get the second and final segment of this week's podcast underway. My name is Brian Stone. This is the Stone on Air podcast. Of course, you already knew that. I scrapped the middle segment that is uh, that was going to be just talking some Trump stuff. That is an undated 
canned segment that can be done at any time between now and the end of the year. So I'll do that later. Robert T. Nash joined me on Wednesday night around 9 o'clock for just shy of an hour. And it was an absolute privilege. So this will be the longest podcast I've ever done in the neighborhood of an hour and a half. So I appreciate your patience, and I thank you for being here. If this isn't your thing, you don't know or care who he is, then feel free to check out. But something tells me you're going to stick around, and I think you're going to enjoy it. I started off the conversation because we started the recording of this about five minutes after the Democratic National Debate, the first one for this election season started. And I said, I'm so sorry, Robert T., that I'm making you miss such captivating television programming. No, I Believe it or not, I'll I'll read a recap uh, in the middle of the night when I get up to get a drink of water or something. I, <laughs> I couldn't watch that for all for all the uh, all the tea in China, so to speak. I got you. I might uh, touch on that a little bit on the way out when I ask a couple of national uh, stuff with you. Just gonna chit chat with you, as I mentioned at the at the beginning of this podcast, and I just kind of threw it out to you last minute that you know it's been three years. Since uh, my dismissal from uh, WGOW, you are uh, familiar with the, with being dismissed from the same radio station, so we share that in common. And um, I, <laughs> some people didn't don't remember how that went down, and I, I I discussed that on the front end of the of the podcast. I just wanted to just chit chat if you're good with that for as long as it takes. That, that's fine, and time flies, and it's hard to believe it's been three years. And you know, uh, in all seriousness, no kidding, you you. You really held your head up and came through that like a champ. That was uncomfortable for me in some respects to see what you were going through. But uh, people who don't work in radio don't understand. You 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 do get fired in radio, but that was an odd circumstance. And and there you go. And I had no doubt that you would get through it and your stick to itiveness, so to speak. You know that that you would prevail. And and here you are three years later. So you know you. If there is, as there doesn't know, Brian's got a broadcast radio show as well as the podcast, and uh, you know you landed on your feet. Brother. Well, I appreciate that, RT, and I never regretted anything uh, that I did or felt uh, ashamed of anything. I had nothing to be uh, to be embarrassed by. It was uh, it was just one of those things. But we'll we'll move on from that. One thing I wanted to jump off right off the page that if you had a radio show right now, a local show here like you used to for all those years. The lead story locally, anyway, would be the Hamilton County Commission, uh, the 5-4 to four vote against the uh, $0.34 cent property tax uh, increase to pay for the, uh, the uh, new opposed, uh, uh, proposed budget from the Hamilton County uh, School Board. I, you know, I'm only, I've been a homeowner for about 10 years, and for the first eight of those, I didn't even hardly know what a property tax was. Where do you stand on, on, on an issue like that? I mean, at $0.34 cents isn't a lot of money, and education is important, but I've, I've, you've been in this game of being taxed a lot longer than I have. Well, you're exactly right. If I if I were working in media, and I'm not, that would be probably the topic du jour. And uh, there are a lot of people expressing some profound disappointment that the uh, county commission did not pass that. And I have never seen a group of people, you know, they say politics make strange bedfellows, but the people who have come together to speak with one voice, the coordinated effort to really put the pressure on out front in a nice way and behind the scenes, you know, with, with elbows, sharp elbows, to get people to toe the line and, and pass that for the school system. And on the surface, it has some merit, but sadly, there are a lot of people who think the school system's got enough money and, and they squandered what they've got. And I, I'm not surprised that the commission, I, on the one hand, I am surprised the commission voted it down, but you know, those 
those people are going to have to stand for re-election soon. And the voters have got a long memory when when they get in their pocketbook and something similar is going on on Signal Mountain. You know, people think people who don't live there have this notion of Signal Mountain, you know, being above it all, so to speak, and being a top tier community. But they just basically flip flopped, rejected a big property tax up there as well, you know, and uh, and it gets down to fundamentals like paving streets and so on. And you know, people are fed up. They want they want to see government spend their money responsibly. Well, I mean, is is it that simple on a on a local basis like this that the maybe that these that these county commission uh, commissioners are voting just strictly on their their constituents and 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 the votes they might or might might not get, or do we actually have evidence? Maybe we need David Carroll on the scene. Do we actually have evidence that this is a, a money that is not necessarily needed and maybe it's wasted? I mean, I'm not. I know you're not on the beat and you're not following this uh, day by day, month by month, or even year by year. But uh, just from the outside looking in, I wonder if it is just. I got to vote the way that I feel, feel my, my, my voters or my, my constituents constituents are going to vote. That's a very astute of you. That, In my opinion, that is exactly what is going on. And, you know, I don't want to knock anybody. I mean, I, I could get real personal and, and name names, people who are friends of mine and people who are acquaintances and, and people who just be frank with you. I, I'd set on fire and strike the match if I had the opportunity. <laughs> but, you know, they, they – uh, they're all – you know, most of the people advocating for this tax increase, their kids went to private schools. I'm just going to be frank with you. But okay. Now they, they, the, the people who know this firsthand, the ins and outs, they say that Dr. Johnson, the current superintendent of the Hamilton County Schools, is really running a tight ship. They've supposedly eliminated a lot of uh, the central office positions that were basically people earning a lot of money for not doing much of anything and. I used to attend those meetings and, you know, if I didn't make any other, I'd make the budget presentation. And when you look at that document and I think the last one I saw was 178 pages and you, you wade through that and, you know, it, it takes, you really have to bear down and drill down to make sense of that. But, uh, you know, I used to, I used to rant and rave. I mean, uh, half of the schools in Hamilton County, you walk in the restrooms, they don't have hot water for the kids to wash their hands. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's and the that's- argument on the other side. We can't even get, you know, look at East Ridge uh, High School and Middle School where I live out here. I mean, they've got all kinds of budgetary problems. Yeah, and uh, I-, I went to Tyner High School, which I believe was the second oldest public school in Hamilton County. When I went there, it was a good school. It's it's not a good school now. A lot, a lot of troubled kids end up there, and they're trying to make the best of it. But the last time I was at Tyner High School, my old alma mater, it, it was pitiful. I mean, it's falling down. It hadn't been that long either. Uh, my wife and I try and catch one football game a year out there just for nostalgia's sake. I know that's probably silly. But, uh, you, you know, the facilities are in rotten shape. And all that money went somewhere over the years. And a lot of service master contracts and a lot of, you know, a lot of invoices with no real detailed uh, accounting for what was delivered for the sums. And on the one hand, I don't want any of the kids to get shortchanged, but on the other hand, you know, let's face it. If, if kids, most kids whose parents are involved, if they can afford it, they put them in private schools here. Well, there's and, a, there's certainly certain areas of the city. That's definitely true. Yeah. You, you know, North of the river, it's pretty much a given. Yeah. But uh, anyway, you know, I, we don't have kids. And uh, if I've never told you this, I, I've mentioned it on air in my former career and former life, but we literally opted not to have children because I never felt like we could pay for a quality education. And it, being a product of public schools myself, 
and my wife went to private schools, I, I just couldn't in good conscience send my children to public schools. And so we kept putting off having kids for that sole reason until we basically waited too long. My my sale date is come and gone on that sale by date. But uh, well, I've know. always said I've, I've never wanted and never planned on having kids because uh, partially for what you're saying, but in a joking manner, but like kidding, not kidding, that if I had a child, that child would either grow up to hate the world or grow up to hate me. And I don't I'm, I don't want either one of those. Uh, I'm right there with you. And it it's a fine line. You know, I mean, I'm 57 now and. We've got friends, you know, peers, people we grew up with who some of them are on their second and third marriage. But I remember when these people got married the first time, you know, and invariably they began talking about having kids sometimes even before the wedding ceremony. And, you know, if I felt like I knew the person well enough and I could hold my mouth right, I, I'd say something along the lines of, you know, get a dog first. Uh, <laughs> See and, if you could take care of Fido first, right? Exactly. You know, if you can train the dog to sit and come when it's called and, and housebreak it and so on, because you know, the, the kid is going to be a much bigger challenge. And that's partly joke, but partly true. I mean, and, you know, I, I there's a lot of people out there with blended families and second and third marriages. And, you know, it gets into the economy. Uh, we keep I keep hearing this, the economy strong. I look around, there are aspects of it that are strong, but I still believe a lot of people are struggling. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a depends on who you ask kind of situation. Exactly. And uh, the, I, if you have a child, I had this conversation with my sister, Brandy. There are four kids. I, I, have, I have a brother and two sisters, and only one of my sisters had children. None, none of the others did. And uh, when Brandy had uh, her first child, you know, I, I told her, I said, Brandy, I said, make raising your child your commitment. You, you cannot pay somebody to take as good a care of your child as you will especially during the early phases. And she kind of went through the, you know, the, uh, the academy thing with the local public schools and and bounced around. And fortunately my nephew got into a pretty decent program up at Chattanooga state, basically got college credit, I think in 10th, 11th and 12th grade. And he came out of it. Okay. But uh, there's a lot of kids who are basically fed up and done with school by sixth, seventh or eighth grade. That's the sad reality. Yeah, yeah. Well, we don't need to spend all day on uh, education, uh, but I did. It was it is the topic of the week. I want, and I knew that you would have uh, some knowledge on it, as you tend to keep up with most anything in the in the local news. And I'm going to touch on a few other things. One thing, uh, just quickly, I could have done this first, but I wanted to get that out of the way. Um, I'm I'm hoping. I'd like to think I'm going to have a lot of your old listeners downloading this podcast, or having maybe somebody younger than them show them how to do that, um, and they might be just wondering. What where where's RTN been the last uh, couple of years? You're not in media right now. Um, what's a day? What's a day for you? A day in the life of uh, Robert T. Nash for uh, for my listeners that are regular, for new listeners, and for some of your old listeners from uh, from years past. Well, it, it's no secret. Uh, I I had some health problems that about uh, five and a half years ago. Uh, to make a long story short, I, I took a fall. I, I was working at the time and uh, took a fall and broke my arm and uh, tore a muscle in my shoulder and some other things. It was really silly. I, I quite literally tripped over a curb uh, <laughs> and, and fell down and, and got hurt. And it was basically the first time I'd been seriously hurt as an adult and the first time I'd ever been hurt on the job. But uh, it was a blessing in some respects because the process of getting that dealt with and healed up uh, we discovered some other underlying health problems that 
if I had not learned about them at that time, could have gone on to become rather serious. So I hear so many stories of that as, as men get men, mainly men get older. Cause we never go to the doctor unless we have to, if I, if I didn't break my arm or break my you know finger, I would have not known about this. Well, uh, I struggled. I'll, I'll be completely frank with you. Uh, I was, uh, out of work for a couple years. We had to, uh, you know, get pretty deep into our savings and had to make some changes and some sacrifices. And, uh, I can only really say in the last like, 18 to 20 months, I finally got my physical and mental and emotional health uh, back on a, a good, even plane, because one of the things that was interesting to me was there there was a psychological component for me. when it, the If I lived in California, for example, I would have gotten psychiatric, psychological counseling for the shoulder injury I sustained, because it's hard on men. Statistically speaking, if you have that injury, the odds are better than even you'll have again in your lifetime. And uh, uh, I kind of got a bit of a hole, uh, uh, depression, you know, and, and had to work out of that. I didn't realize it was happening at the time. And I, I got through all that, and I'm happy to and happy to report, but I am essentially retired. And to answer your question, I, I get up early. Um, I have coffee. I usually make my wife coffee. Uh, my wife is still practicing she's a licensed massage therapist uh, but uh, we visit together walk the dogs and she'll go to the office and i'll vacuum and make the bed and take care of the dogs until she gets home and we have something good to eat i spend the day reading listening to music uh, you know i do keep up with what's going on at the local and national and to a lesser extent international level but uh i figured you I'm did a home, i'm a homebody dude um i my time is my own uh I read, I listen to music, I take care of my dogs. We, uh, we're out of the Dublin business. We've got two wonderful dachshunds, still got Gus, and we've got a new one named Harriet, our first miniature dachshund. She's right at two years old, and, uh, you know, that's me. Uh, I have a Jeep, um, which we do a little bit of off-roading, nothing serious, you know. Uh, I, I don't have a motorcycle now. I sold my Ducati earlier this spring. Uh, I basically, it was a sport bike, and... Uh, it's a true story. I took a took a three hour ride on it in the spring and had to spend four days in the hospital recovering. I, you know, threw my back out and was stiff and sore. And uh, so I'm off the motorcycles for now. But uh, I, I take it easy, dude. I'm low and slow, just to be frank. Well, it's I, a, I, it sounds like you're doing well, based especially because we've we've kept up. We talk here and there over the years, and um, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Would well, you, you want to go backwards in time with me for a little bit? Absolutely. I'll talk about anything you want to, Brian. Um. I just wanted to touch on this, and you can move right by it if you don't want to. Uh, what year was it you were dismissed from WGOW? Ten uh, or nine? Or uh, uh, it was it was April fifteenth, twenty ten. Twenty ten. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of people. I that's one of those. Hey, what do you know about this one? Hey, hey, hey. You know, gossip city on on that. I still don't know if I entirely ever knew what happened there. Um, I just wondered if there was anything you wanted to say to that dismissal from uh, what was a gig that I knew, I know you loved, and I know you did well, and you had a really, really strong uh, listenership at that time. Anything you want to say to that to maybe just kind of put that whole situation to bed to anybody who might be just wondering, what the hell did happen to Robert T. Nash that year back in whatever year it was, April in 2010? Well, And and feel free to tell me and everybody listening to mind our own damn business. No, I've I've covered it on air during... I came. I came back and guest hosted over there for one week. Uh, well, I'm going to come to that too in a minute. But go ahead. Oh well, you know I, I've been back to WGOW and 
I've heard every rumor you can imagine, and it took me a while to feel like I knew what exactly was in play. But uh, I was due a raise, and it was not forthcoming on the timetable I was promised and expected. And I'll be completely frank with you. I was angry. I was uh, short-sighted. I kind of overplayed my hand because I didn't realize just how deeply in financial trouble the parent company was. The the cluster was doing fine, but at the time, Citadel Broadcasting was literally – going bankrupt yeah and i was button heads with management and um uh, to make a long story short an employee over there turned in a complaint about me it took me a long time to get to the bottom of it it was supposed to be investigated before anything happened but i made it easy for him to fire me let's put it that way i was ready to go and uh there is an employee over there who got it in her mind uh that uh, I meant to harm her or some such. And I know that, to me, that sounds crazy. And, uh, you know, she, in my opinion, after all this time, I felt like this individual could not distinguish between the on-air product and the person behind it. So you and, think there was some animosity potentially to just the programming she would hear through the through the radio? That, that's my opinion, yeah. Uh, you know, back then when I would meet people, uh, and I met a lot of people, and I've had a lot of great listeners and still hear from a lot of them, and you may remember I was open and accessible. I didn't hide from anybody, you know, and was happy to talk with anybody who wanted to talk with me on or off the air. But, uh, you know, people get these ideas in their head about the radio. Radio is an immediate and personal medium, and most listeners – think they know the person talking to them and to an extent they do but uh you know if people get misperceptions in their head and you can't talk them out of it and uh you know there's it only takes somebody who thinks they know something who is willing to make the case i i learned many months after the fact that this person who was aggrieved she didn't feel like the cluster was handling her complaint properly So she picked up the phone and called a lawyer in corporate that she'd met one time at a sales conference and spun a yarn. I just know the call was made. I don't know the complete content of it. And that person made the command decision to have me fired is what is my understanding. And there you go. And and I was ready after four years and a lot of broken promises and four years of full time employment. You know, I was a guest host for three years before. Yeah. But I was ready to depart over there. It wasn't long after that uh, that you moved on to um, to Brewer Broadcasting, and uh, uh, I'm not. We we both have the utmost respect for Jim too. Um, we we don't want to spend a lot of time on that because I, we we would both say many of the same things. But what was your uh, working environment working um, with with the Brewer uh, Media Group? Because it wasn't for very long, but it sounded good. As a listener, I enjoyed it. How was your experience there? Well, it was exactly one ratings book, and I beat the pants off the guy I was competing against in the other talk radio for, uh, format. That would be Mr. Andre McGarry, who's disappeared into Hollywood. He's going to be a movie star, apparently. Yeah, but, forgot all um, about that guy. Well, you know, a lot of people have, and there's no ill will there. Well, he was uh, easy to forget about, is my point. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, first, he was going to be a rapper, and then he's going to be an actor, and I've kind of lost touch with him. But... Um, I, I like Jim. Uh, he paid me well. He had a massive payroll over there. You know, talk takes a big commitment as a format. And I think he had 14 full-time people on the payroll. And he just came to us and 
I talked about this on air when it happened and said that he had to he had to get rid of that format. It was bleeding him uh, financially. And they say that you don't get to say goodbye on air. But in that instance, we did. We got to say goodbye. We wrote out the end of the year. Everybody knew what was happening. And um, yeah, the year a year before that was about when it took off. It was about the on air for around a year. I was there for about three months, and I was budget cut out right at, as soon as we started the damn thing. My my experience at Brewer Broadcasting was awful, but that was you know over a decade ago. And uh, this is I'm not speaking to any of the uh, managements in particular. It just wasn't a very good environment in which to work in. Well, Jim Brewer is deceased. If any of your listeners don't know that, and God rest his soul, Jim was good to me. Yeah, and- Jim was great. But he, that was a, Jim was a second generation radio guy and worked hand in hand with his father and mother over there. And, you know, uh, I, I saw, I saw business decisions made on the basis of horoscopes. And that sounds like a joke, <laughs> but it's not. I know. I, it does sound like a joke. And I believe you that it's not. But they were good to me. The checks cleared. And to this day, you know, I've got that ratings book from that period. And, uh, uh, I beat the other guy like a drunk radio format here in Chattanooga that's going to get his legs under it. And uh, I don't know if you want to talk about that, but if you hold on, I'm going to get to that for sure, because uh, sure. I, I definitely want to know your uh, thoughts on that. Let's move along. I'm just kind of timelining uh, the last, you know, the most most of this decade, just to give people who might not be familiar with what you've been doing. And just because I'm curious of your thoughts. So I'm going to go back to where you were talking about uh, the guest hosting in 2015. And yeah. that was in December for a week. And I can I can kind of go back and find the dominoes that fall between December 2015 and June of 2016, um, not to take your story and try to put myself in it. But there are some dominoes in that six-month stretch I'll get into here uh, maybe in a few. But when you were on that that week, that was, that was a – I cannot remember this specifically, and I didn't have time enough to go back and listen to my old shows to try to remember what it was. But that asshole Brian Joyce did what is normally a absolute unforgivable sin, just disappearing, leaving in the middle of a show because of some mental breakdown. I don't want to you know downplay mental illness, but this guy's a total asshole, so I don't really – I'm not going to give him any benefit of the doubt. Disappeared for a week and then basically almost did it again. And you were brought in, and tell me if I'm wrong on this. I'm, I'm pretty sure this at least paraphrases correct. You were brought in, just kind of out of quickly, like, wow, what, holy shit, what do we do? Let's get RT. And then there was a bunch of uh, ruffled feathers over that, based on what we were just talking about. And you filled in that week, and there was many of us, many of us sitting there listening to this, thinking Robert T's about to get his job back. Joyce, has, <laughs> Joyce is getting fired. If he doesn't do it now, he's going to eventually. I mean, the guy literally left in the middle of a in the middle of an air and a spoken word live radio show. He left in the middle of it, and 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 Bill Lockhart will call me a liar. I love you, Bill. You know it. He's he's blocked me from all his social media. He'll call me a liar. Me and him sat there, at giddy school kids in the in the newsroom, listening to the show, saying. He's got this gig back. Finally, we have radio worth listening to. You know you said it, Bill. You know you said it. And many other people thought that there's a very good chance that this gig is yours again. How did you feel about that week of fill-in? I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And I just happened to be in a federal court proceeding that that day that all that happened. So I mentioned that. I, I, had, on a, I had on a coat and tie. I was dressed. You know, most people are used to me looking like a bum. I've, you know, got on a. <laughs> T-shirt and shorts and a, a pair of worn-out Vans or 
Doc Martens or whatever. But that particular day, I had on a coat and tie and was shaved and showered. And I got a call from the program director over there, Pineville Road. And he said, hey, can you guest host for me? That's Kevin West. And I said, sure, yeah, Kevin. Kevin, I respect Kevin. He's a pro. I, I do, too. Respect him, and, respect him and trust him. Yep, I do, too. And uh, I said, sure, Kevin, when? And he said, uh, this afternoon for the next five days minimum. <laughs> And so I said, yeah, you know, and I went in and did the show and I had fun. Uh, it was, you know, I mean, Brian, you know how it is. I mean, you can either do radio or you can't. And I can get on that horse and ride it at any time. And I'm not surprised to hear Bill like the show. Uh, as many problems as I gave Bill, and I wish I had the opportunity to undo some of the things I did when Bill was my boss. He was the best boss I've ever had, but I, I probably gave him heartburn maybe an ulcer or two but uh, you know i know that at least one advertiser and uh, he's an asshole i'll just be frank with it. he owns a pizza place downtown mellow mushroom yeah just basically called over there and threw a blue fit and, and well there were some others and i'm not going to get into all this because it, it cross pollinates with some people that i i do have respect for but there were some butt hurt people out there that just decided yeah, to, to, it, to it, cause a cause a, a commotion of fuss and whether it was justified or not is not the point for me to me anyway three years later but uh or, or whatever the math is three and a half years I, later. i'll say this for every one of them that would have pulled their advertisements i could have brought on three to replace them oh i believe that Mm. I absolutely believe that. Well, real quick here, um, and I'm going to do some kind of short, uh, just kind of I'll throw something out there, you throw something back at me deal. So the timeline, I just want to run by you real quick. I don't think we've ever talked about this, and it's taken me all this time to figure this out because I always wondered who, um, who, what the motivation was to get into my Facebook and read the interactions that you and me had. It was difficult for me to even dis- come to any understanding as to why somebody would be motivated to do that. And I still uh, I still don't know the answer to that, but I'm closer to understanding it a little bit. That timeline was you in December uh, at, at the very middle of the month, and then in the spring was the um, uh, rest in peace, Bobby Stone, Lacey Stone, not Lacey Stone, rest in peace, obviously Bobby, um, Lacey Stone, his former wife, and, and, um, and the mayor. And the old, the, the affair, the making out behind the lost mosque, whatever it is, what it was. But there was an arrest and um, of, of Bobby for whatever it was, some kind of domestic disturbance over this, over this issue that most people who are listening to this are well aware of. And in the spring of that year, you were corresponding with me with a lot of information that nobody else had. A lot of it. Go ahead. I broke that story, Brian. Yes. I think you know that. Yes, yes. And and, and you you broke that story and um and and you had it before anybody else did. And I went to Bill and this is where I'm gonna scold Bill a little bit and uh Jeff a little bit, but I was a little fed up. I, I was a little but by the time I was just let go from there, I was pretty I was a little burnt out myself. And I said, Hey, I listen to this. This looks real. This looks like this is happening. Well, Bobby and Jeff, good friends. Bill and all that, and, and and friends as well, and you were back to enemy number one, and you were not a source. Bill in the hallway, Robert T. Nash is not a source. And I was like, <laughs> I was like you are going to regret this. You're going to regret this. We're going to go with this last. We're going to be the last ones with this story just because your buddy's involved and you want to make a point by saying that Robert T. Nash is not a source. What happened? Chattanooga got it first, or well, between you and the Chattanooga, then the news stations followed up, and then guess who came up bringing up the rear? Talk Radio 102.3, 
because because of I, whatever their their reasoning, other than just they're just trying to to protect their own and would not give you an ounce of credit. Well, Bill has had past tense a job to do. He's no longer the program director out there. Uh, I like Bill. Bill's my friend. I love Bill. Uh, love, love, love Bill Lockhart. Well, um, Bill was kind enough. We threw a little bit of a hoorah for our 30th wedding anniversary. Had a band and free beer in a building downtown a few years ago. Bill and Diana came, but I, Bill made a mistake. He made an error in judgment, in my opinion. But, you know, Jeff Styles had a little bit of an incident and wound up in the headlines. And A couple of I, times. Well, me and David Carroll were on the phone. You know, when a cop calls me and, and asks me, did you know that Jeff Styles is on the side of the road being handcuffed and taken to be charged right now and he's been shot? <laughs> and, you know, I know this cop and this cop has no reason to lie to me. And I start making calls and the phone phone lines get lit up. Uh, I respect Jeff, not as much as I used to. Uh, I think he's squandered some of his talent to a degree. I hope he gets back to where he, what he's capable of. But I could have broke that story, too. Instead, I decided to work behind the scenes. And, you know, uh, I'm glad that worked out the way it did. I'm glad Jeff didn't go to prison. But in my opinion, he very well could have. Well, I'll get back to that in a minute. Let me finish off this timeline. So I, I get told, basically, the information you have is worthless because it came from RTN. And I'm I'm furious, but I don't have a lot to stand on, so all I have to do is swallow it. Well, then, over the course of the next uh, month or so, so this would be leading to April towards uh, towards May, this becomes, you know, the, the audio is out there, the the police tapes are out there, and so now it's a real story. And I filled in for Jeff when he went uh, as his annual um, uh, spring break vacation week. He always took that week off early, and I filled in. And I spent the first 20 minutes of the first day that I was on the air, and I said, here's the deal. I'm going to spend 20 minutes on this hard, and then I'm not going to touch it again because it, I, I'm being told that this is something we need to, like, tread lightly on. And and I didn't go, you know, RTN style, but I, I did spend 20 solid minutes of everything. At that point, it was all out there. Like, this was still not, there was none of this was was any kind of uh, a speculative nature. This was stuff that was documented through police uh, records. And so that was the last time I really touched on that. And so, again, I'm using hindsight to try to figure out what happened. So that's two months away from when, I'm, when I get fired. And so now I'm beginning to think, Okay, they know I'm corresponding with you. They know I've gone to them with information that I got from you that I insisted we use, that they insisted we don't, and I gave them an attitude of, okay, you're going to regret this. And I think they began to feel this, hold on, we, you know, we, we hate Robert T. Nash, and it seems like Brian's buddying up with him. And, but we were always buddying up about stuff. That wasn't new. We talked about anything going on through Messenger or text or whatever, and then two months later, you're gone because we found this in this private messaging. I still don't know who would have decided to do that or who went out of their way, but that it's starting to come together a little bit more, and I don't remember if you and me have ever talked about that. Well, I, I would like to apologize to you for you ending up in the crosshairs there, but you're exactly right. No, I, don't, I don't need Robert T. I don't need an apology. That was just doing my damn job. I was getting good, real information in a in a in one of the most powerful media outlets. I mean, thank you for for you know, I guess feeling remorse, or whatever. But there's nothing to apologize for. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I believe that I believe that you, I believe that that, that they punished you for knowing me in essence. And you're not the first person that's happened to. I, you I, were, I believe it. 
you were kind of an extreme high profile res- example, but uh, you know, I, I did the legwork on that, and I'm proud. I was right about everything. I've I've, I've got a tape of me and a Vanderbilt journalism professor talking for two and a half hours about the role non-media people can play in driving the media. And at the time, I was not drawing a media paycheck. And, you know, it, it ain't rocket science. You know, you get you two independent sources and confirm it and, and triple check. And, you know, I'm from the old school, though. My journalism professor said, if your mother tells you she loves you, get a second source. You know, <laughs> I love that. And when somebody takes the time to send out information, a a confidential informant from within the police department via the dark web and successfully anonymizes themselves, I wasn't the only person that got that information. Initially, I was the only person who gave enough of a damn to follow up on it. And we all know how it turned out. And there you go. And that's not the only example. You know, I'll, I'll tell you this. This town is slowly but surely cleaning up its act. It used to be that Chattanooga was a media market. that You didn't dare name names. You didn't dare go head-to-head and toe-to-toe with anybody with any power whatsoever because they'd run you out of town. Lawyers went through this. You know, it's not just media people. Uh, Common citizens, people day in, day out, just trying to do what's right. You know, there are clever mechanisms for punishing people who don't toe the line but uh you know i'm proud of who i am and what i do and uh i still live here i was born and reared in chattanooga Tennessee. i've lived and worked in other places but that was the thing that surprised me most when i got canned from wgow because they thought i'd just go somewhere and get a job in another market you know and i'm like hell no i've been back here 17 years you know i own a home i'm, I'm not leaving i'm not going anywhere and i'm I don't have any plans. There's nothing. I don't have any irons in the fire right now. But if somebody calls me with information that rises to a sufficient standard and I can put it out, I'm not going to need somebody taking my word and running it on their media platform, you know, to walk hand in hand with me or nursemaid me or let me spoon feed them or them spoon feed me to make it known. You know, I'm big on that truth will set you free. And uh, that probably sounds a little simplistic, but that's, that's the way my brain works. Man, I love it, RT. Thank you so much for joining me. I, I want to get uh, get you out of here here shortly. How about a few things? Almost uh, not quite what Jeff would call his old radio Rorschach test, but just I'll sure, give you sure, I'll, sure. I'll give you something, and then you give me something short, and uh, on the next handful of things, and then uh, then we'll wrap it up. I've already got over thirty minutes with you, and I I told you fifteen max, so I've already doubled up on you. Thank you so much. No problem. All right, so let's just start off. Current programming of WGOW. Um, you and me uh, both have very uh, high respect and uh, lots of uh, possibly uh, business dealings and lots of real interaction with Jim and Jamie. So let's talk money. We Great organization, great show, great. Everything they do is great. We both agree with that. Outside of that, what, what, how much uh, WGOW programming are you familiar with these days, and what do you think about it? You know, I've tried. And I'll I'll come back occasionally. Uh, Brian Joyce, his socks should be rolling up and down like window shades because he basically fell ass backwards into a job that Jim Reynolds should have. Yeah. And you know, he was walking a pretty tight rope before that happened. And I think if he doesn't do anything stupid, he can probably stay there for a while. 
uh, he was a corporate mandate. And anybody out there listening, if you want to know what I mean by that, get up with me and I'll tell you. And uh, he's lucky he's got that gig, but I I find the guy unlistenable. He's um, he's uh, he's like an empty pillowcase. There's no substance. Uh, he's lazy. You know, when he first came here, he was a he was a stand up comedian, you know, and then he was a global traveler. And yeah, then he talked yeah. about, you know, I, I tried to listen. Uh, I can't listen to the guy. He doesn't do the kind of radio that I want to hear. He, he's not. He doesn't inform me and he doesn't entertain me. The guy's got a lot of talent inside of his, you know, his makeup, but he just doesn't utilize it well. And yeah, that comedian thing is absolutely ridiculous. We'll move on from that. Uh, You mentioned it earlier, and I am very, very curious of your thoughts because it's becoming a little bit more well known now that Jeff Styles is working there or at least has some kind of, I don't know, pay for play or subcontract with them. Nuga Radio 92.7, your thoughts. (laughs) <laughs> I was offered that job a year ago. <laughs> okay. And uh, they, I'd like a little credit for not making a joke about them offering to pay me in potted meat and Percocets. But um, <laughs> I know, like I uh, like some of the people that are involved with that radio station, so I'm not trying to uh, make it an attack ad, but I want you to tell me exactly what you think. They need to work on the clock, the format. I know I'm getting kind of dry here for non-radio people. I'm glad Jeff landed on his feet. I, I really, really am. I am too. I am too. Uh, Love Jeff. Well, Jeff, Jeff's first talk radio job was replacing me on WZRA when I left town to go to Clarksville for my first newspaper job. That's 1984, and that's the gospel truth. And they need to they need to give Jeff some longer stop sets so he can stretch out. And there are some good people, committed professionals who are in the early stages of their career there, who I believe are going to do good work for a long time. And but I find I find the current format unlistenable. They need to clean it up a little bit for sure. It's clunky, um, but it's it's a nice idea. Like it's, it's it's a nice idea, and I'll just leave it at that for now. Well, in all seriousness, I don't know what they proposed with the other host there, but they wanted me to sell my own show and then do the on air work to redeem that both the editorial content and the advertising component and the blended content as well. You know, and uh, I just. It's a lot of work. I personally was not comfortable doing business under those terms. That's a lot of work. Um, we'll move on from that. So I don't take you for much of a soccer guy, uh, RT, but I'm sure you followed the soccer wars, quote-unquote, especially your your relationship with Tim Kelly over the years, as I have had, and I'm a CFC kind of guy. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that from afar? My thoughts are there's one or two people who were formerly associated with CFC and are now not who are lucky they're not facing uh, arrest, indictment, and jail time. For some kind of mon- money fraud or, or money laundering or, or, or just misappropriations yeah, anyway. Mi- mi- misappropriation. That's 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 probably the perfect word. And, you know, in retrospect, cooler heads prevailed and the principals realized that the town's probably big enough to support two teams. And if they're not, the weaker team will wash out. But, no, Brian, I, I – I'm not a big sports guy, but I've been hearing soccer was going to be it since the early 70s, you know, back in the Pele days. Yeah. I mean, I understand it's an exciting sport. I understand globally it's a lot bigger than it is here, and I I respect some of the people who are involved with it here, but it doesn't speak to me, you know. I didn't think it did, but it's just it's one of the bigger kind of power plays this city has seen in a while, and it's in of soccer, of all things, right? Yeah, and... As somebody who used to go four-wheeling in Camp Jordan when it was called the Bottoms back when, before they did the flood remediation and built the levee and everything, and 
you know, I, I can't believe anybody would stake anything major in the way of a capital undertaking on what is essentially it's, it's a floodplain. And it's just a matter of time before whatever's there is underwater. Seriously. Tell me where the Red Wolves are going to be at their proposed stadium. Yeah, I, I grew up right over there in East Brainerd on the edge of that. I know all of that area like the back of my hand. I've explored it on land and via water and, uh, you know, on foot and via motorcycle and Jeep. And that's not a good place to put that endeavor. How hip are you? How hip are you to this, uh, or up are you on like the in- innovation district and the collab and all the money that uh, Andy Burke has been putting into this quote unquote innovation district? I've been following it since the very beginning. You know, I've got some pretty strong thoughts about that. It's it's smoke and mirrors. There are some people down there now that are actually trying to make a go of it, but uh, right now it's a lot of feel good, happy talk and young people who are very impressionable and their their bullshit detector isn't properly calibrated yet yep yep but there'll be there'll be some success story eventually you know we we've had something like that in play here as long as i've been alive and i've been alive nearly 60 years business incubators talking about this business improvement district there's always somebody who's got a better idea but they want to monetize the better idea if it's really a good idea the market will discover it and adopt it and everybody will run with it and it Nobody would have to write a check for the benefit of a good idea. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I've called a, a little BS on some of that. I got to know some of the people through the collab, and I like a lot of them. And I did, I did walk away wondering, like, what exactly are we trying to do here? And I just, I, <laughs> I really don't know the answer, and I, and I don't follow the dollars enough to know. Hey, well, they've they've opened another convenience store in the Patent Towers, so there you go. You know, Patent uh, Towers. We could do a whole segment on. Patent Towers right across the street from the Edney building anyway, right? There you go, buddy. You know, the and you got to remember, it's, you know, we had Enzo's, the vanity grocery store on Main Street, and then it was a theater, and then it was a sculpture gallery, and, uh, you know, now I don't know what it is. But, the, gro- uh, the grocery bar for a few minutes, which is actually a really good yeah, place to exactly. eat, but it was expensive. But if, if you have to have somebody subsidize a convenience store, you know, to sell your Coca-Colas and your Snickers and whatever. And your LaCroix waters. Exactly. You know, uh, I mean, a convenience store is a class A example of something that will either thrive and survive or will go away quick if the business if, if the business climate isn't there to make it profitable. One more thing and then just a couple short things and I'll be done with you. Thank you so much for your extended time here, RT. Uh, we all heard at the beginning of this segment a clip that I found from your 2015 WGOW uh, stint where you were talking about then uh, candidate uh, Donald Trump, and you were so so right on at that point. Uh, give me an overall view of where you where, maybe how you felt when he did get elected, and where you feel now. And and as we get closer to election season, what do you make of the Trumpification of America? What do you make of MAGA types? What do you make of where we're at right now? Well, both of my grandparents are deceased, and. They both parents, both sides, maternal and paternal. But when I look at Donald Trump and I see his roomy eyes and his bad comb over and his snapping turtle lips, <laughs> you know, I, I see my grandparents and God love them. I love them. But, you know, they were part of a, another time and place in what we call these United States. And it's the last gasp for that mindset. You know, the Nixon and Spiro Agnew, his vice president, called it the silent majority. All these people who felt that way but didn't want to step up and make their feelings known because they didn't want to grandstand they didn't want to be assholes with a spotlight on them and you know this it's troubling to me because the newspapers now read like the newspapers during the civil war there's this pronounced divide right down the middle 
there's very little in the way of common ground and compromise. No, nobody wants to work together and, and get along. And this partisanship, you know, it won't destroy this country, but it will it will handicap me. It will be an obstacle to overcome. Yeah. You know, uh, quarreling is rarely profitable. You know, I, I've never paid I've never paid an admission fee to get into a debate, you know, <laughs> and but politics are not about solutions. No. And if I if someone asked me right now, I'd say we're probably looking at a second second term oh i've been i've been saying that out loud for a little while now there's not and that was a question i kind of just jotted down on uh while we were talking what do you think the i mean we got 20 people we got to sift through here but let's be honest with you with everybody it's joe biden really and i mean maybe bernie's got enough support who can defeat trump in 2020 my answer my my quick answer is nobody i I can't add a word at this point in time and the slate of candidates we're looking at and the reality we're immersed in i agree with you 100 percent I mean, I think Joe Biden missed the boat. I think if, if 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 it wasn't Hillary's turn in 16, he would be president right now. And then, you know, who knows what would be happening? Maybe maybe we'd be in a different place and, you know, you never can uh, predict uh, the future hypothetically like that. But uh, I think Joe Biden missed the boat. And, um, you know, I, I've gotten to the point where the sanctity of the office, the sanctity of the presidency – it just isn't there for me anymore. I don't care who the it, president is. I just, I just really don't. As long as we have some kind of, some kind of calmness, like you said in the open from from three and a half years ago, a leadership role, right? Like somebody we can at least kind of, kind of uh, respect, right? Yeah, and Tom Griscom, who worked in the Reagan White House. Some people may remember him from the newspaper business. That's here. where I, yeah, I was to say I know him as the newspaper guy, but he he worked in the well, Reagan White House. He sure did, and wow. some people may know him. He worked for Big Tobacco, but Tom's a friend of mine. And years ago, Tom told me, in politics, friends come and go and enemies accumulate. And you're going to see a textbook example of that with Biden. Biden is not well liked and uh, has a lot of people who've been waiting, biding their time, ha, 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 to get their shot in. And uh, he, he's not electable. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't know. I don't know. This is an interesting time. Robert T., thank you so much. I'm going to throw a couple names out here, and I want you to just give me a couple words, maybe a sentence at the most, your thoughts. Um, Bob Corker, these days, what are your short thoughts on Bob? Short. <laughs> well, he's, he is definitely short. Andy Burke, the current mayor. Empty suit. Ron Littlefield, the former mayor before Andy, and maybe a, a word on his legacy of his, uh, his administration. Nice guy. Never did anything to me. Never did anything for me. And uh, we talked about Bill. We talked about Jeff. We've talked about Joyce. Uh, our buddy, Scott Chase. Uh, I think he's doing remarkably well for someone who's seemingly afflicted with Treacher Collins syndrome. <laughs> I was going to say gutless coward, but hey, whatever. You're right. Worked, right? Well, I mean, you know, he's an idiot. He is a textbook example. You know, the FMDJ wearing the silk baseball jacket, you know, talking in the low dulcet tones. And if I had a nickel for every time that idiot was pacing around out there in the halls trying to recall the name of a song he wanted to play or the artist who did it. And I told him what it was. You and I could go out and have a big time at, uh, I don't know, one of the cheesy places down on Main Street. His name I don't even know. Maybe a state of confusion or something. He's a fraud. He's a fake. Um, I, you know, I never really liked the guy. I don't, I don't make this a big pile on thing, but uh, he's a gutless coward who is uh, who's been fortunate enough to keep a decent little career for a long time. And what is it you say he got there a day before Bill? What what is it the, the reason he has his position? Kim Chamberlain, that's his real name, is the operations manager or whatever his title is out there. 
because he arrived one day before Bill Lockhart. And uh, if I had wanted to, you know, I'm a mean son of a bitch. And I used to run around with a Sony digital recorder on my person in those hallways over there. And before Scott decided that I was a bad thing and I had his confidence, I could replay some of the things he was dumb enough to say around me and he'd have a hard time defending them. And I'll just leave it at that. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. I don't want to turn it to a, a big, uh, just bitter guy convention between two guys that are just mad. They're just pissed off because they got fired by the same company. No, it's a, it's, it's a poorly run company locally with some good people that have done some very good work. I had mentioned this to again with, I don't want to pile on bill, but there was times when we were, I would be in the hallways or in the new newsroom talking back, when like Jerry Harvey was poisoning our airwaves, our their airwaves, and he would he said to me with his you know shaking his finger, this this is a stain on this once great radio station, this once great radio station, and he walks off, and I'm like, I, I agree with you. Now he would never uh, admit to saying that. There's a lot of good people that do good work there, but its management is is, is pathetic, and uh, and it's showing in the ratings book and it's showing in the revenue. And uh, hey, you know, I. Call me an asshole, call me just bitter guy, but uh, I wish the best for the people I like there in long term in their life. Don't care one bit about that brand and hope it burns, crashes and burns. I don't care. Well, Mr. Chamberlain, Mr. Chamberlain's at the top of the uh, salary pile. He's got a big old bullseye on his back. They'll need to eliminate some payroll, and uh, I think it'll be very entertaining. Every everyone over there that I viewed as shit ass, with the sole exception of him, has been flushed and. Uh, in the immortal words of uh, Robert Plant, your time is going to come. Your time is going to come. Robert T., man, thank you so much. I, I asked you for 15 minutes. You gave me uh, just over 50. Uh, th- this was a lot of fun. I think people are going to enjoy this. And maybe occasionally we can catch up to do some uh, local uh, d- you know, news topics, uh, just chit-chat here and there. Maybe, maybe that'll be a fun thing to do. Well, thank you for having me on. And you didn't succumb to bitterness. You, you were done dirty, and you rose above it. And I'm proud of you. You've got a long career ahead of you in this business, if that's what you want to do. You've always been fair with me, and I I appreciate you having me on, Brian. All right, Robert T., thank you so much. Take care, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, the great Robert T. Nash. That is all I have. I am done for this week. Uh, Longest show I've ever done. If you're still here, thank you so much. We'll do it again next week. See you later. Bye.